Hey weirdos, welcome to another episode of Sheebie Jeebies, crawling out of the primordial ooze that is Eternally Bored Productions. This is a horror podcast by fans, for fans, and about fans, and once again I am your host Sam Carlson. Today we're just going to be doing a quick little uh, mini review of Hereditary, which came out in theaters recently. And uh, with me is my recent guest on the Friday the 13th Part 6 Jason Lives podcast, Chris Johnson again. Yes, hello. Hello, Chris. Uh, So, yeah, um, let's see. uh, I think one of the things that began this day for me was we went to go eat Panda Express. And this was the second time in a row that we did that because, well, Panda Express is delicious. At least, you know, in both of our opinions. Unfortunately, I had a quite the large food baby after the fact, and that food baby quickly turned into a food baby miscarriage. And I really did not think I was going to make it to the movie because, like, I'm in the bathroom, like, shitting out the entire contents of my intestines, and I have, like, seven minutes, and we still need to get tickets. And I'm looking at my phone, and I'm praying that this passes. And somehow, I somehow, like, I made it out in time, but it's like, oh my god. It was like, I felt just like Goatsy. It was, it was bad. Like, and it's still kind of like going into today, too, because I think there was like, I think I got a little bit of food poisoning from it. And I've just been like worried my anus is going to like prolapse all over the chair and make a mess of my producer's studio. Well, when they say express, they mean express. Yeah, that is true. Express, yeah. I don't really want to express my anal glands, though. <laughs> but, you know, enough about my ass. So we went to go see Hereditary. This has uh, Tony Collette and also Gabriel Byrne in it. If you guys are unaware of the basic plot structure, Tony Collette's mother uh, dies after a long illness. Turns out she was a fucking bitch and abusive and had dementia and disassociative identity disorder. And uh, there's a lot of buried family trauma in this, and that's what the core of the movie is about. There is another part of the movie which is about a cult that's going on in the background. It's kind of like the subplot is the cult stuff. Yeah, it's almost, yeah, it's like the B-plot of the movie, kind Mm -hmm. of, you know? Whereas usually it's the A-plot in horror movies? Yeah, and I mean... You could, it was telegraphed really early on that this mm-hmm. was a cult movie. Uh, you know, you've got the weird symbols on the walls, and then in the uh, Annie's mother's room, Annie is Tony Collette. In Annie's mother's room, there's a, a black triangle on the floor, so I'm like, oh, well, duh, cult. So I was, uh, it took a while for that to actually get explored. <clears throat> but um, the movie itself is, I would definitely say, more about. Uh, the things that, the craziness in your family that you can't really ignore, that stays with you and is, uh, it's, it's kind of like, it's very fatalistic. Yeah, it's kind of like the trauma of everyday life is scarier than some kind of monster you can see on a screen is what the movie's kind of about, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, the movie can be summarized in of, oh look, there's a problem. Let's ignore that problem. Maybe they'll go away. If they bury it, it becomes the foundation for the next family. Yeah, exactly. For and generations. Nobody's talking about their feelings in this movie. Oh, no. Everybody's like, avoidance is the key. Yeah, it's pretty much avoidance until there's an outburst. Yes. Yeah, and then it's right back to silence, and mm-hmm. we just don't talk about things again. 
and uh, everybody in the family seems to have their own way of coping with this, uh, except for Steve, who's the father, uh, Annie's husband. And he's just kind of unplugged in general. But I also wonder if that's because he's, uh, you know, perhaps he's from a more rational gene pool. Possibly, but also I think his coping wisdom was drinking. Because uh, they normally show him with a glass of something. Oh, okay. And it's used like a short highball glass. Ah. Like when he's taking the pills that one time he's sleeping on the couch. Yeah, I do sorry, remember. Spoilers for this whole rest of this movie on certain things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, again, if you guys want something spoiler free, fuck off. Yeah. Go see the movie. And, you know, like spoilers are not going to ruin your life. You'll oh, live. no. We'll, anyway. we'll leave out some of the major ones. Yeah, well, I mean, I've already said it's about a cult, so. That's, that's, that's as you said, it's early on. Yeah, well, anyway, continue. You were saying about, because um, he was drinking, and I didn't really notice that for myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so when he was taking the pills and was sleeping on the couch, he had, like, a small, like, highball glass that looks like a, a clear liquid, but it, was, it wasn't water, because normally when you fill up a glass with water, you fill it up all the way. He filled it just part of the way. So okay. either if it was water, he automatically pours stuff, like he's pouring brandy or oh. pouring uh, bourbon kind of stuff. Uh, then when he uh, goes, say, says hi to her, when she's building her mini, dioram- mini dioramas, like little tiny houses, um, he has a tall glass with some kind of liquid and it looks like a small amount too. Like it's basically, he looks like he's drinking most of the time. That's an interesting observance. I, I didn't notice that myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I missed that for sure. And there is so much in this movie. Oh, there is. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... It, it's there are so many small details that I would, you know, I kind of almost want to go watch it again because, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many things that I know that I missed on a first watch. Mm-hmm. So that was a, you know, it was really ambitious of the director to do that. And I think, you know, I think it went, went uh, did extremely well in that respect. Uh, but uh, as far as like coping goes, Annie is a miniature artist and mm-hmm. her profession is essentially just, you know, creating these quote unquote objective simulacra to cope with the trauma mm-hmm. of her, you know, to cope with the mother, the, her, her, the trauma that she's dealt with with her own mother. And we do get to hear a little bit about it, but it's not. We don't get, like, the full flashback experience. No, we don't. And, and then also, I was going to say, so her copaminism is, like, art therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even uh, Charlie, the little girl, her coping mechanism is uh, tinkering with stuff. So she draws, she tinkers with stuff, uh, and she's always eating sweets. That's kind of her coping, me- coping mechanism with stuff, too. Right. And Peter has his own. I mean, it's not his just... music. Yeah, it's music, and I was going to say it wasn't just, you know, smoking weed all the time. No, it wasn't. That was was definitely, that definitely was part of it. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was music and recreational drug use for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just essentially uh, going the same route his father is, as he's just unplugging from the reality of his circumstances. Yes. And uh, far beyond, you know, far beyond the whole coping mechanism, it's just... We wonder why they would need coping mechanisms. What is all the trauma? And mm-hmm. we find out that, you know, for example, Annie didn't want to have her son. Nope. Don't want to have she any was, of the kids. No, it doesn't sound like it. She was pressured into it by her mother. And then she kept her mother away during her son Peter's birth. Mm-hmm. And formative years. Yeah, formative years until she was pregnant with Charlie. 
And Charlie even remarks that her grandmother wanted her to be a boy. Mm-hmm. You know. Tried making her a boy. Mm. That's why she called her Charlie after um, Annie's dead brother. Yeah. And Annie's dead brother, Charles, he hung himself in uh, their mother's bedroom when he mm-hmm. was 16. And uh, there was, uh, I believe he was schizophrenic. Yes. And would speak about his mother putting things inside of him, which mm-hmm. is either literal or figurative, as we'll come to find out mm-hmm. in... Well, I guess it would be literal in either sense, because yeah. this is a cult movie. Mm-hmm. And essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to... Uh, Resurrect, would you say, or uh, just summon, summon? Summon, yeah, summon this this uh, King Payman mm-hmm. into a human form, since I guess they're all devil worshippers. He's one of the eight kings of hell. Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm not familiar with him, mm-hmm. but so that's what we're doing. So this whole thing about King Payman eventually uh, caused uh, Charles to kill himself, mm-hmm. and so we're trying to get that same thing with Charlie, the little girl, but. You know, not it's not exactly the it's not exactly the right form since King Payman prefers a male vessel. Yes, but we we don't even get all that information until like the last yeah, half hour of the movie. I know because everything else before that is just uh, family trauma. Yeah, I mean, even Annie's mother insisted on breastfeeding Charlie when she was a baby, and that's depicted in one of the miniatures. Which is creepy. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's uh, also one of those things that it's not outwardly said. You see it in one, mm-hmm. of, the, in one, of, her, in one of her dioramas. Yes. Uh, there's a lot revealed in this. Mm-hmm. Like that. And uh, what were some of the things that really got you about this movie? Um, not ending a scene too soon. Uh, so, since we're already in spoiler territory, uh, I was figuring out Charlie would be like the linchpin for all the creepiness because it's a weird looking kid. The trailer says he is a weird kid, acts weird, looks weird, does all this weird stuff. The grandmother favored this weird kid. There's kind of cult of stuff in the trailer, so maybe that's going to be the linchpin for it all. Nope, she's the first to fucking die. And, and really and violently. Really violently die. Uh, and they just sit on that scene forever, mm-hmm. just letting you live in it. It's just like, oh, it just adds all that more weight to it. Yeah, that was, uh, oh man, I was not expecting any of that to happen. Oh, no. So, I mean, we should actually kind of talk a little bit about that. Because mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I wanted to, to mention was... Charlie, you know, the whole family is well aware that Charlie isn't quote-unquote right. Yes. You know, and they, in the back of their minds, I'm sure that they kind of have that dark realization that this family member is eventually going to become a burden on them. Mm -hmm. You know, she's 13, and she's completely friendless. And uh, so she also has a nut allergy. Yeah, they missed nut allergy early on, but... Uh, when they're at the wedding for the grandmother. Uh, Not the, the wedding, the the memorial, wake, whatever. Memorial, wake, whatever. I meant, sorry, funeral. Anyway. Funeral. Excuse yeah. Me. Um, so anyways, yeah, it's mentioned the nut allergy because uh, Charlie's eating the chocolate bar, which is a regular Hershey bar. Is that, that's, I don't remember the EpiPen. Like, okay, so they kind of let you put that in mind that she has a nut allergy early on. But later on, Charlie's always eating candy uh, at the school. She's eating an Almond Joy. Uh, when she's working at her workstation, she's eating peanut M&M's. It's kind of like... What is her nut allergy? Like, is it really a nut allergy? And then it turns like, oh, no, when she's at the party her mom forces her to go to with, that's the high school kids party, Mm -hmm. she eats chocolate cake with walnuts in it, and then she has anaphylactic shock. 
Yeah. It's a very specific nut allergy. Apparently. but <laughs> No, I think it's more so... Uh, they're mindful of what Charlie's eating when other people are around. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's the whole thing about putting her in the path of danger, mm-hmm. you know, by like not watching what she's eating when she's at home or mm-hmm. at school. Right. And then, well, you know, if something had happened to her and she died, well, that would be tragic. But be again, terrible. that would be oh, less man. of a burden for the family. Because right, when she sent Charlie off with, um, Paul? Peter. Peter, Peter. Peter, Paul, Philip. I know. Um, they sent him off. They, they don't give him the EpiPen. If she no. has a severe allergy that's terrible, you always bring the kid's EpiPen with it. But she didn't. She just sent the kid off just to fucking die. Uh, if it happened. And like, oh no, it happened. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the... That's the... At its core, this is what makes Hereditary such a scary movie per se uh that's it's it's that darkness you Mm -hmm. know it's that darkness of you know it's like yeah these are your family members but uh your mother doesn't want you there she loves you but she never really wanted you she doesn't really like you that much so she wouldn't mind if you died yeah i mean it would you know it's like well your kid dying sucks but she didn't like you that much i Mm -hmm. mean she like annie didn't even form a bond wasn't able to form a bond with charlie because of her mother yes you know, so it's like she doesn't feel that connection with Charlie. And I think she kind of is also uh, projecting a lot of her own uh, a lot of her own trauma from pro- from having a lack of connection with her own mother onto mm-hmm. the situation, too. So, yeah. And uh, Charlie goes into anaphylactic shock after eating walnuts. And then her brother, rather than call an ambulance to the party where the paramedics would have an EpiPen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he decides in his uh, stoned and probably rather buzzed state to drive her to a hospital. Mm -hmm. And she's choking this entire time, and she rolls down the window for air and sticks her head out. And he swerves to miss a deer in the middle of the road, and bam, she gets her head taken off by a telephone pole, and nobody sees it fucking coming. And if I spoil it for you, go see the movie. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. Also, they don't show the deaths. Uh, early on, they just let you hear the sound of it, and you know what happens. It is, yeah, it's gruesome in what they do with the with what's implied. Yes, uh, you know, Peter's reaction to it is also like horrifying. Like it's this slow burn, right? Mm-hmm. He just drives home. But he like, doesn't pick up his sister's head from the side of the road. Oh no! He just drives the headless body back in the car. Leaves the car there, goes up to his bed, and is basically in a catatonic state until the next day. Doesn't mm-hmm. sleep. Oh, no, doesn't sleep. Yeah. But then, then, that's also like the synopsis of the whole movie is shit has gone down, but still avoiding it until you can't avoid it anymore. Yeah. So he just drives it home. Like it, the, the scene sits on him for a good like 30 to 45 seconds as the camera stares at him. Yeah. As he's processing everything, he slowly releases his foot off the, the brake. The car slowly lurches forward. He gets home, pulls in, parks it, goes inside, lays down, and you see it become morning. And you hear, and all the cameras just focus on his face. And you hear the mom and dad talking, like, "Oh, what we're gonna do today? We're going, you know, going someplace, blah blah blah." And the mom walks outside and just loses it because he, he parked the car right in front of the front door. Yeah, and. We don't even get to see them discover the body. No, but you do see you, the head. So the, the, when yeah. the mom screams, 
They cut back to the shot of the head covered in ants on the side of the road. Yeah, that is startling as fuck. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's very disturbing. So then, all of a sudden, Annie is now coping with the loss of her daughter. Mm-hmm. And it seems like she's almost trying to convince herself that she really did love her daughter mm-hmm. by, you know, uh, trying to communicate with her, you know, through as a medium. Well, it comes up later on when yeah. she meets uh, Joey, Jolie? Joni. Joni. Yeah. I, I mean, the long and the, you know, the long and the short of it is that basically. We're trying to get Charlie's spirit into mm-hmm. Peter's body, so Peter can, so that can be, so that like because apparently Charlie is King Payman, mm-hmm. you know, but born into the wrong body, so now we have to fix that. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like legit, like the grandmother says at the end is calling Charlie King Payman, so mm-hmm. I'm thinking that Charlie was King Payman this whole time. So, uh, I, I don't. I don't think so because of the uh, the light glare refraction reflection. Yeah. Of stuff that, like, that happens before the kid does something crazy and dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened to Charlie. So it's probably like King Payman trying to go into Charlie, and then kind of like, oh, it's a it's a girl. Fuck it, kill it. I don't know. I wonder. That wasn't really too clear on, but. No. Uh, you know, overall, it was still, like, a fun movie. Oh, it was good. It was just, you know, there were very, uh, there were some startling instances. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones that really just, that creeped me out was when Annie is selling off her own head. Mm-hmm. And you get to see it for a while, and she's just looking into the eyes of her son as she's doing this to herself. And floating in the air. Well, that comes later. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that was just, you know, that was, like, a an old school you know, horror movie callback. It was had a very vintage feel to it, like rather rather retro. You know, it was, but also I was going to say, um, whenever she completes it, she's off. Uh, you're off camera. You're downstairs. Yeah. So you hear the thud and the sawing and everything like that. So it's, once again, it's imagination of it actually happening, not actually seeing it happen. Yeah, the sawing noise was oh. really. Um, oh yeah, something about the noise in this movie. They amped up the sound effects for certain stuff. So like when Charlie's eating chocolate it's like really crunch and wrappers and things like that so there is absolute silence and then small sound effects are very loud Mm -hmm. and then the way that the camera draws back from scenes and you're not Mm -hmm. sure if you're looking at a scene or you're looking at the the dollhouses yes then in the way they pan across it much like if you were looking through the rooms of a dollhouse too Mm -hmm. that was very effective so I think, you know, apparently this has got like a, I checked this morning, this one has a 94% mm-hmm. rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's fresh. And this is from, I believe, a first time director, Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. And for first time, it's like, man, he is just like, <laughs> he's just like leaving it all in the ring. And it's, you know, it's great. But I, I saw one review on Cinemascope, I think it was, or Cinemascore, Cinemascore, excuse me. It was like a D plus, which, you know, I'm just like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't understand these people that are hating on this movie, you know? Uh, maybe they're looking for like some more like bigger cult movie or other stuff like Paranormal Activity. There's more yeah. cult to it. Yeah. But no, this one's more like a classic Twilight Zone episode where it's like humanity's way worse half the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like that's the thing. Like that's why it's the cult, the cult part of this movie. Mm hmm. It is the B-plot. That's mm-hmm. that's not what makes this movie scary. Oh, no. In fact, when the cult comes at the end, it's more hilarious. Just because of all the drama I deal with before, it's like just 
silly comparatively. I didn't think it was silly. I actually I thought mean, that was. Um, I didn't feel like it was silly. I thought that was like, actually kind of cool when you had like the random like naked cultist members. Although there was one, um, there was one part uh, that was like I thought it was like a naked person. Doing like the sleepaway camp face oh, Angela no. does at the end. No, no, you know? it was and actually it, the mom. Like yeah. when she saws her head off, is very sleepaway camp face. Yeah, she was doing that face, and uh, you know that was the only part that I thought that was you know more like a, a funnier funnier uh, second in there. I, I, don't know, I, I guess what for me it was after all the family drama, everything didn't feel as heavy. Uh, but I still enjoy the cult stuff with the body kind of floating up to the spook. That was weird as uh, fuck. Yeah, it was very once again it was a very static shot and quiet. Yeah. So because it's floated up to the uh, clubhouse Charlie hung out in. Um, you're not really sure what you're looking at. Exactly. Either. Yeah. Uh, and all the naked cultist people felt very much like the brothers start clapping, uh, like Inda Viva kind of stuff. Yes, I know. You did it, Shinji. Yeah, good job. I know. Yeah, but um, I would. I'm gonna give this movie a solid recommend. Oh, yeah, easily. It was great. Yeah, I, I would say watch it. But know going into it, if you have your own family dramas... You're going to be triggered. It's going to be triggering. You're going to be triggered. You might want to take that, you know, that Xanax or that Ativan with you, mm-hmm. you know, put it under your tongue, quick dissolve, it'll get into your bloodstream much faster. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, definitely. You got, you guys, you got to just, just go fucking see this, okay? It's good. Please, just do this for me. Just, like, I want to see more movies from this guy. And just go throw money at Hereditary. And uh, if y'all want to share your opinions with us and you just want to say that I'm wrong, which I'm not, you can do so by sending me an email at shebeejeebies at outlook.com. You can also twat at me on Twitter, and I'm at uh, shebe underscore jeebies. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash shebeejeebies. So until next time, stay creepy, you guys. Bye.